Certain events can happen in our personal lives or even on the world stage that can trigger certain emotions in our being. The recent death of a well-known musician played this role for Alexander as he was met with opportunities to utilize the grief he experienced in a useful way as it led to recognizing parts of himself and a celebration of inspiration of what that person meant to him. In this and other few examples we discuss in this episode, we show you how emotions are mostly non-intelligent but complex and how to actually make use of them for your continued self-growth. And so now I usually go into some way that you guys can support us or showing you how much gratitude and how much you mean to us by listening and continuing to share it with your family and friends. But I felt the need to be a little more creative this time. And so I wrote a little poem or rap that I'll read to you. Thank you for caring. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for looking at the emotions that are glaring. Now let's be daring, but not in our comparing and talk about some topics that leave others staring. We're right here because we found our bearing. Wise, wise podcast in you. Wow. What a pairing. <laughs> All right. Now, I hope you guys enjoyed that and enjoy this episode. And now let's journey. With Aaron and Alexander. Uncovering our authentic self through self awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wise Wise Podcast. I'm Alexander, and we have the wonderful Aaron Keith here with us. Hello, Alexander. How is everything? It's very groovy, man. Life is great. I'm so happy, happy to be, to be with here you. with everybody yeah. and to share this philosophy and hopefully change some lives. Yes, yes. Let's see what we can get into. And today we're going to bring up the subject of grief and we'll probably expand into a few different emotions. But the main uh, object of this podcast is around the non-intelligence of emotions, but the complexity of them. And I think both Aaron and I are going to share our own experiences of how we've experienced this. And I have experiences recent as last week that we're going to get into. So I think this is going to be very interesting for everyone that feels like they are emotionally sensitive and how to get into the processing of emotions. Yeah, and I think maybe we'll even expand out past grief so that we're not staying on one particular topic because there are other emotions like anger and frustration that I think more people relate to an emotional reaction than grief because grief is almost like a, an involuntary thing and maybe anger and frustration are seen as more action-oriented or things that people do versus mm -hmm. like grief is involuntary. Right, yeah. So we're going to discuss a lot of wide topics around these subjects and get right into it. So the, the first story that I want to share is last week or this past week, a wonderful artist, a musician, one of my favorites in the jazz funk category, 
Betty Davis passed a few days ago, and it affected me uh, very deeply on an emotional level. And, of course, right away I felt it connect to grief. And so when I had this experience, I went into a meditative state to get clear on why this was happening because I had never met Betty Davis. I'd always been an appreciator of her art for a long time, her individuality, how she went about everything that she did in her small stint in the music business in the early 70s. And that's what like began to make the connection. And it was connected to that I was grieving what she represented to me. And not the person personally, but what she represented. And it was that individual artist, that one that wasn't willing to do it producers' ways or record companies' ways. She was about showing the strength of a woman expressing herself and not feeling inhibited the way that she saw men did already back then, but the women didn't. And so she was a big part of many pop stars that have become very popular, both men and women, have picked up on a lot of her ways and her techniques. And so it was extremely emotional for me. And once I made the connection to that it was about what she represented instead of her as a person, then I was able to make other connections with people that represented this to me in my life, even people that have passed. And it helped me to get clear, even more clear, on myself and what I wanted to represent. And I discuss a lot on this podcast about the three main questions of who are you, what are you passionate about, and how do you exemplify it? And it helped me to tighten the reins on my exemplification and almost absorb that energy that is now available once a physical body leaves you know i like to envision that there's an energy that that person carried that is available to absorb with intention and this is also how i work with people to process grief and get into how a person inspired you and how you can honor them by taking more of that whatever that is into your daily life And so that's what I've been doing in my approach to marketing, which isn't one of my favorite things to do in this world. But Betty's passing helped me to see that in a more creative and original way. And so now I'm excited about the marketing that's coming about. And I just wanted to share this story of, again, that Emotions aren't intelligent. They can't tell the difference between a big grief and a small grief, but they are extremely complex. And when we can appreciate the complexity of them, we can learn a lot about ourselves. I think exemplification of somebody who knows their three questions, who knows what they're about and what they present as themselves, and then back it up with exemplification, I can see how that would build respect For you as a fan of hers, it builds respect because she is doing what she says she's doing. Mm -hmm. And and there's no wavering in that. It doesn't matter what kind of energy comes down on her. She doesn't waver from who she knows that she is. Mm -hmm. And then we can bring in even the conversation around love and respect in this aspect because you didn't know Betty. And of course, people like to say, oh, I, I love this person. I love that. And maybe they don't really mean that they love. Maybe it is a respect thing, Mm -hmm. but 
for you to say that you love Betty Davis, maybe you, you're saying that you love her music, but it's really about you respect what she's about or whatever vibration or energy or whatever you were able to define that she stood for in inspiration for you. And it was that exemplification. And she was a true artist in a way that she put on a different persona when she was on stage than in her private life. And that's what basically drove her out of the business is that people wouldn't allow her to just be a a show person, an artist. And she got judged for the way that she just went about entertaining people and expressing herself. And that's why I wanted to absorb that into how I'm exemplifying moving forward different areas of my business and my personal life. And so for me to take a little bit of that charm, that strength from her example of perseverance is the word that comes. And then after she decided to leave that business, she was just never heard of again. It wasn't about her need to be recognized or a star. She wasn't trying all of this shock value like a lot of artists do. It was just what felt natural for her to do when she sang and the type of clothes she wore and that type of thing. And she was just a beautiful individual person and had a heart of gold, but was very, uh, maybe a little bit avant-garde for the early 70s, especially being an African-American woman uh, with a big Afro. And both cultures or both races, the Caucasians and the African-Americans, struggled to, to appreciate her because of where they just were in those times. And this is why Betty led the way for artists coming up, which connected me to the the loss of Nikola Tesla and the fact that so many people took advantage of him and he wanted to give the world free energy. And because he wouldn't monetize it with the banks, of course, other people stepped in and they would. And so these people, Betty and... Tesla, from my understanding, basically died fairly alone and fairly broke. And so, again, that helped me with my inspiration to make sure that my path as an individual doesn't alienate me like many geniuses. It, it happens so often. And so to keep my eye on that, staying connected to all of those around me while continuing to exemplify a new and a different way. And that's what we call, you know, the just philosophy that we discuss here. Is there something that we can find out about ourselves in the areas that we gain inspiration from externally? Yeah, I think one of the main things is we find out where we're limiting ourselves. And that that's what inspiration can do is it can take us past that point of comfort and that holding someone in your vision that you feel that has accomplished or overcome or persevered can many times pull us through something that we feel like maybe we couldn't. And so being an inspiration to people is very powerful, but it does come down to following through. And once you get offered things to take you off of that path in the music world, they call it selling out. But, you know, that's a very wide topic within itself. And to bring it back home here. This is really about working to help people understand that these emotions that we talk about learning to process, 
it helps to have a mental understanding of the connection, an energetic understanding, a spiritual, all of the different levels, the physical even. And so when we are going through this emotional release, that's why it is helpful to take time to be still and to you know, really question yourself of why is it affecting me the way that it is. And normally it will have a goldmine of information that maybe you haven't been considering. And then that can even help the release to happen at a deeper level. And this release helps us to be able to bring the vibration back to a high or so-called positive vibration and then fill that in. So see, when I was going through the grief of when I found out the news of Betty passing, after I had gotten to the point of that it was about what she represented, I was in so much gratitude toward her. So as I was releasing grief that her death helped to activate, see, I was already carrying the grief around. And as I was releasing that, I was able to fill the space back in with appreciation and gratitude for this human being and the life that they went through both the pain, the suffering, and the success, and to see that that is the inspiration part. That is the filling in the void. So I like to call it a 360-degree release when you're able to to release what you have been holding on to and then fill that vessel back up with some type of gratitude or appreciation. Often when public figures die, there's like a massive grief throughout the world and is some of this related to like the losing of an, an example of whatever that energy is for the world to tap into i know that we can tap into people who are alive and people who are dead but i think the worldview is that you can't do that it's only like whatever's alive and you can experience externally then that's how you can like tap in or people do it subconsciously well yeah and here we'll talk about mass consciousness or the majority energy. And so here's where we get into a little bit of the non-intelligence of the emotions because, see, there may have been hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people that Betty Davis affected by dying. Some were family, some were personal. So see, the emotion grief has a very wide effect, or you could think of it in frequency, a frequency range. And so people are grieving in different ways, but the fact is that the pain, the experience of grief is very similar, if not the same, but for different reasons. And again, you can grieve over so many different things that most people don't think about. It could be the loss of a job. It could be a loss of a a loved one or a friend, or it could be a loss of a mindset, a feeling that you've left behind a part of yourself that you used to really appreciate, or grieving can come into the dread of something losing. Like, it doesn't have to be ended. You can perpetuate that that feeling by fearing the grief of something or someone. And so all of these different ways to get there are still kind of activating the same frequencies. And so the more people that's experiencing that at the same time, just the the more of an effect it's going to have on us as humans. But still, each person is grieving in a different way because all of the present moment 
activation of the grief is really just showing people grief that they're carrying around. As I've said before, you can't get angry unless you're carrying anger. You're not going to go through grieving and sobbing unless you're carrying some grief. So this is why an artist or somebody in the family, two people can love them equally, but it can affect them differently when they die, depending on how much grief those two people are carrying individually. And so that's an important part to bring out that any emotional reaction has very little to do with the present moment, typically. It's connected to all of the similar situations throughout your whole life that carried this vibration. So that's why the process of emotional processing is emptying of stuff that we've uh, absorbed and stuffed down and then just tried to forget. And that's mostly what our culture is taught to do. Some people will say, well, well, time takes care of everything. And there's true and false in that, that if you're active in that time, it can be very releasing. But if not, then you're just doing out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. And from the energetic perspective, this is where illnesses and complications in the physical body originate from. Yeah, I think that was my experience with one of my major sources of grief from kind of in the same realm as what you're talking about. But I was young and the way you handled it and the way I handled it are you know totally different. So it would be cool as I bring this in here for people to see the the polarities mm -hmm. of, of sure. the different experiences. So I, I think it was right around when I was 16, my idol at the time, Dale Earnhardt passed away tragically in a last corner of the last lap accident. And so many circumstances around that added so much lure to it that people were attracted to it. The fact that somebody who made their living doing something dangerous died doing what they what was mm -hmm. dangerous after you know 20 30 years of doing it and and surviving so there's a lot of aspects of it that are hard to believe in the moment that it happened mm -hmm. but i i remember just a insane reaction to it just like losing my mind crying just because mm -hmm. right before i had sensed in my chest that i knew something was wrong based on how the news coverage was handling it, but it was still like a huge shock once it was finalized right. in print and reading it. And it's taken me, in a couple days, it will be the 21st anniversary. So it's oh, wow. been 21 years. And up until maybe the last few years, I could still elicit like a pretty big emotional reaction if I watch footage of that accident. And I'd always think, is something wrong with me that it's been, you know, maybe 17, 18 years and I can still like really feel it like it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I have to think some of it is because I all this time have been just victim crying, victim releasing, where I'm like, like mourning the loss of this person in my life. And 17, 18 years later, still mourning the loss of this person in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's not useful. That's not and, processing. Yeah, yeah. Because the way you talked about Betty Davis, you made use of that. You were able to recognize the inspiration and even have gratitude for it. And then also, once you recognize the source of inspiration, identify what, what it is, you can tap into a different source. Yes, exactly. So it doesn't have to be a loss. It can be inspiration and 
you can still be inspired by what they did, even though they're no longer in this realm. Right, right. To bring that more into your everyday practice to work, to make it your work, to bring what they represented to you into, especially an area of your life to where you may have some resistance. Like I was saying to marketing, well, if I'm going to tap into any of Betty Davis's originality, her creativity, then I want to send it to an area of where I'm challenged in that. And so that's why I chose my marketing and it brought in excitement because I'm going to honor her. And your story is so important as well because this is the picture that most people are going to have around grief is that for some people, if they don't emote or remember that time each year, it shows that they don't care. And that is not accepting a transition and to realize that, again, the only constant is change that we have in this life, in our whole life. That's the one constant. And that learning to embrace change means that you make the most out of that altercation or that shift or that change or that loss. And when we're able to utilize and learn from a loss, then it becomes our teacher. And we all appreciate our teachers, or we should. And so it can take that that loss and that pain into a gratitude and appreciation. And now every time that time of year comes around, you find a way to celebrate. You find a way to step even more into, once again, what they represented to you. And so I really hope that this is reaching people around this emotion of grief and maybe the people that have been carrying stuff around for years and years and years. This can give an opportunity for people to release that and to see that you're actually honoring the person because here's what helped me one day. I went into some contemplation, just some considering, what about this? What about this? And I asked myself that, what if I had passed and I was just hanging above my loved ones and I was viewing them? How would I want them to be? And In that, I started emoting and crying like so fast because it would hurt me so much to just see people suffering, choosing to suffer, trying to honor me in that suffering. And here's the vision that came that I had all my loved ones in one room and they decided to go around one at a time and share with everyone what Alexander meant to them what Alexander represented for them and that they were going to bring that more into their lives. And they were not just going to talk about me in that respect, but every time that they exercised that, they would think of my spirit. They would think of what I meant to them. And that changed the whole vibration of why this death thing has always been run from in our culture mostly. And and it's an opportunity to embrace. Grief can be something to embrace All of the negative emotions, frustration, anger, all of them, they can be embraced and they can be learned from. And this is our opportunity as human beings is to learn from these emotions, grow from these emotions to where we don't have to experience them in a so-called negative light as much. And we can stay more in celebration and appreciation and learning that vision of me looking down on my loved ones changed the way that I approached death 
from that point on. Yeah, I can see you getting angry. You're like, no, people, have I not taught you anything? That would be like almost the ultimate slap in the face. Yes. Because yes. it goes against what I feel like you inspire people to do. Well, and I thank you for that because almost everyone, I feel like, wants that for the people that they're leaving behind. Like someone that is limited in their movement. Many times people will be considerate and through their manners, they will not move as much because they don't want to make that person uncomfortable. But I also find that most people that are limited in their movement, they would rather see people enjoying the freedom of their movement and to be enjoying their life around them rather than everyone adapting to them. That's where it falls into pity. And I haven't met anyone that likes the vibration of pity. So looking at that, that sometimes when we adapt to others, we could be missing an opportunity to lift them up, to celebrate them, to change their mood and, and make them feel important rather than the cause of, of everybody not having a good time. So it's just a few things to think about how we're looking at whether it's the subject of grief or frustration or whatever the so-called negative emotion is, but how can we learn from it, make the most of it, and especially from a grief standpoint, incentivize ourselves to exemplify whatever that person, place, or thing was. And I think just one more point on grief, in my instance, where I held on to that and played victim all those years, I chose to have resistance to letting go. And so I created an energetic blockage. And we can choose to look through our life and and where we're creating these blockages that don't need to be there. It's just through our perspective that we created that. And I've been suffering, loosely suffering all Mm -hmm. these years when I choose to tap into that and feel that victim, that loss when I don't need to. And like you've detailed so far in this episode, there are ways to make use of death. And yeah, when I go, I want people to make use of my death. I don't know if this is the correct way of saying this, but it may be like dying in vain. Why would somebody choose to go and then everybody just doesn't learn from it? <laughs> right, you know? right. It, it, and so I want to turn that around and not to put you on the spot, but I would like to ask you, how would you describe what Dale Earnhardt represented to you? Because again, you didn't know him personally, but it had such an effect on you and or do you think it was just the shock effect of visualizing someone's termination so to say Uh, because I know a little bit of it was shock but in reflecting what would you say that that death was really around for you yeah I was I was trying to think of what exactly the source of inspiration was and I think it's one of those I really need to dig deep into. But mm-hmm. I think one thing is like perseverance, determination. I mean, he did do basically whatever he could. Like his famous nickname is the intimidator because he would hit people in the back to move them out of the way. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he was loved for doing that. But if anybody else does it, it's like people would cry. That's not how you race. But for right. him, he got away with it because he exemplified that brand. Mm-hmm. Like he built a brand of all that. And just an interesting aspect of this, I don't know how it fits into this conversation, but I feel like it's important to bring up. The more I got to learn about him, because I feel like I idolized him as a child, I could see like parts of him that were human and parts Mm -hmm. of him that 
I couldn't really get behind, like how he raised his kids, how maybe that perseverance and that determination and that very masculine energy was not this masculine divine energy that I now consciously, I, I, I would have idolized because yeah. there were a lot of aspects of how he treated his kids that I just can't get behind. Yeah, so this is where I like to bring in, it's just the cost. In every attribute has a cost. And normally when we do idolize people, we miss that humanness. And that was what I appreciated about where I was with Betty as I had watched multiple documentaries. I had learned as much as was available about her. And I truly saw that separation that there's been other artists like Freddie Mercury for the band Queen that is so flamboyant on stage and puts on such a show but from all my understanding, he was extremely shy off the stage. And this is the way Betty was talked about. I'm not that kind of performer. I'm more like I'm going to be a consistent of me on stage. Is this going to be a, another version of me in a conversation or giving a talk or something like that? There's a consistency there. But see, I appreciate artists that can express themselves in a way that's completely different from their everyday that's more of what I just call a performer. And I appreciate that as much as the consistency of an artist. Uh, like, you know, Bob Dylan is, is consistent within his own way throughout his whole career of 60 or 70 some years. But Betty was one of those artists that was very different. So that's why I was able to use that inspiration and find the area where I went, where do I need a different perspective in my work or in my personal life. And the very first thing that come up was marketing and how I, I do carry a little bit of a, or in the past I've carried a resistance to that. And me going through that process helped me to see how to do marketing in an original and creative way and maybe be a trailblazer like Betty was. And that brought me some excitement to do something that I was in a little bit of resistance to do. So that's the way that I'm suggesting to utilize this is find out, you know, what the person, even if they're close to you, just ask yourself, what was the main thing about this person that I just really respect and appreciate? And uh, that can be a, a great deal of inspiration for you in challenging times. And so now maybe we can transition into bringing in a different emotion. And I know that you had a story around frustration that you would like to share, but I also wanted to also bring in this aspect of how emotions act almost like alarms for us. Mm -hmm. It's alerting us in certain ways that, that this has happened before. It can even be almost like a pattern recognition thing because we're talking about the non-intelligence yet complexity of emotions. I did want to go into this aspect of emotions and be able to help everyone out there differentiate when an emotion or a trigger happens it doesn't mean that you're in danger or that the same thing is happening right in front of you or that you should treat it like the past one but it's just a reminder that you've been here before and maybe i guess the way we phrase it is it's almost alerting you that this is an opportunity for growth mm -hmm. if you choose to see it that way yeah yeah so just simplifying it and say that emotional triggers or an opportunity to release and to move past a limitation that you've basically set on yourself. Most of the time, unconsciously, you didn't realize that that has happened. 
And most the people don't work on their emotions because they feel like they're never going to go away, that they're just always there. And that's why I want people to see from the point of view that, no, you can empty them. And if you empty them and you accept them, then they become less and less and less like a trigger. And that's the point of emotional wellness or emotional healing is to recognize and accept that you have suffered these emotions, that you have maybe put them out of sight, out of mind, but that you're watching a TV show and something happens on the TV show and all of a sudden you're crying. Well, see, there's something you're relating to in the TV show because the TV show is pretend. That's just pretend as a movie you're watching. But so, see, it's not that you're crying over the movie. You're crying over what the movie represents to you that you have experienced. And then if you can recognize that and go, oh, this reminds me of blah, blah, blah. And then you can sit in some stillness with that and you can say, what have I learned since that situation? And if you're sitting there and you haven't learned anything, then that next step is to go into, well, what did that person, place, or thing represent for me? And am I stronger in that area further down the line here or am I not? Because if you're not, you haven't taken advantage of what that person, place, or thing represented to you to inspire you to bring into your world. And after you bring in that that inspiration, then it changes the way that that trigger reacts to you. I work with people that carry PTSD and have gone through some major traumas. Somebody that has shell shock, it doesn't have to be a gun or a cannon going off for them to go into some anxiety. It can be a firecracker or it could be someone closing a door. So see, that is the non-intelligent part. But in order to work on that, we have to train ourselves through communication like if someone is in that situation and someone slams a car door hard and then they start having heart palpitations we'll see right away if you go into rubbing your abdomen in a clockwise position kind of like mothers do to their newborns kind of automatically and you tell yourself hey that was just a car door it wasn't what we have experienced And if you go through that exercise up to a hundred times, you will retrain and separate. It's almost like teaching the emotions some intelligence that when we hear a loud sound, it does not have to be what our trauma thinks that it is. And this comes from repetition of retraining the program of what the experience is. That also means that you've got to be willing to go through certain experiences. But I found that most people with heightened sensitivities, they don't have to look for these situations. They find them. Just most people don't feel like there's hope to get over them because most people are going through it through the victim crying and they're just reliving the same event over and over rather than recognizing what they've learned to get to gratitude, to appreciation, and to truly honor that person, place, or thing. Yeah, and I think there are some perspectives out there where the emotions are about what people have done to us, and when really it's almost like our emotions are for us. They're not really for anybody else. Nobody really else needs to know about them. They're really for us to show us where we've taken on trauma. Mm -hmm. Yes, and to be able to see... Everyone externally as just role players, 
And we have episodes on playing roles, and this is exactly that we can't work on those emotions necessarily unless somebody plays a role to activate it in us. So see, as soon as someone makes you mad, release them from all blame and uh, finger pointing and all that and ask yourself, why am I allowing this to make me mad? That's where the the lesson, where the the usefulness is going to be. And then once you figure that out and you're able to release being mad, then you're able to be thankful for that person that just come up to you to elicit that so that you could let it go. And then I've proven uh, time and time again that once you get the lesson, then that person, place, or thing doesn't need to play that role very often. Now, it'll show up every now and then as like a little check-in to say, oh, do you think you're over it? Because I suggest people to never consider that you're over anything. Just know that you're getting better at managing the reaction and moving it more into a response. And so another one that I'm going to get into is my experience with frustration. And before I go into that, did you have anything else that you wanted to touch on with what we discussed so far? No, no, please, please go into that story. Okay, so, so with my experience with frustration, I went through five excruciating years after having a life partner pass 15 years ago. And six months after she passed, my chest went into excruciating pain and heart palpitations, irregular heartbeats and these types of things. And of course, grief is held in the lungs. You know, each emotion is held in a certain energy center that are connected to uh, body parts. And so this is why wherever you're having stagnation or pains or discomforts, it's a signal of what emotion you need to change the way that you are being affected by. So once I had that chest discomfort for so long, and I did go to have it checked out by cardiologists. They couldn't find anything wrong. So I made my peace that I was either going to figure this out, whatever that means, or I was going to die trying. And it wasn't that I had a death wish, but I was over being fearful of death after going through as much death as I've gone through. And so what changed everything is that for Many years I tried to use all of my tools, all of my techniques that I'd learned in sound healing and meditation in many different areas. And it wasn't until I stopped trying and I called to the divine. And this could be seen as a type of prayer maybe. But I said something similar out loud like, if you will just let me know what to do. I will do it. And at that point in time, I'd gone through so much pain that anyone or anything could see how serious that I was. And a voice came in and said, stop being frustrated. And when that was said, I didn't realize it, but I started looking at it, went into some stillness, and I realized that I had basically been frustrated my whole life with the way people treat other people, with the things that people feel that were important, like material things over self-development, just one thing after another, whether it was band members that weren't doing their part or relationships that I didn't feel like were doing their part. See, all this is self-inflicted, all these judgments. And so when I realized that, then my next question was, how does one live outside of frustration? So this next part of the journey took me two years to learn how to retrain my mind 
to not activate frustration. So my first uh, step with that is I got it to a point to where I had gone three months. So this is five years into it, and I'd gone three months without any pain in my chest. And But I didn't know technically like what I had done. I had been working on not letting things frustrate me, that kind of thing. But I still didn't feel like I had a good handle on it. And then all of a sudden, I was talking with a friend at the time, and I said something, and she didn't disagree with me. But what she did is she just shrugged her shoulder, kind of like, yeah, I don't I don't know if, if I agree with that or not. And then full-blown, the pain and the discomfort and the heart palpitations came right back. And I took a moment, and I said out loud to myself, but out loud, are you kidding me, Alexander? Are you this sensitive? And that's when I got the message about the non-intelligence of the emotions. My field, my energy field in that compromised position couldn't tell the difference between a major frustration, like not being able to save my wife from dying, to a frustration of someone just not completely agreeing with me. And then I had to come up with a saying, or I was giving a saying, I'll say, uh, from the divine, that I will allow anyone on the planet to be right about any subject that they choose to be right about. I'm not the word police, and I'm not here to save everyone. Now, see, I had a little bit of a savior's complex logistically from losing my wife and feeling like I failed at that. And so, of course, that got resolved over time. But see, that was an underlying thing that I wasn't necessarily aware of. So that's going to bring frustration anytime somebody doesn't follow my suggestions or my help or want my help. See, I would go into frustration. So over those two years, I worked with living a life without frustration. And that meant learning to accept people, places, and things for exactly who and what and why they were. And that is an exercise that now has become just my life and my way, and it's mixed up in this just philosophy a whole lot. And it's not a fact of living your life with sticking your head in the sand or living your life not caring about other people or other situations or bad things that's going on in the world. It's about learning to choose your battles and know where you fit in in the alignment of the so-called war of people of opinions, of theories, of those types of things. And so rather than being on the front lines and being so involved with the verbiage and the, the frustration is normally where that's involved, I decided that I would be much more effective on the energetic field in holding a consistent energy that's going in a specific way rather than focusing on all the problems that there are in the world. And so this is what the just philosophy has developed into is that we respect the so-called negative, the so-called darkness. Our second pillar is polarity over duality, which means that we accept there has to be polarity here on the plane. If there's love, there has to be hatred. But see, we can just glance at hatred, we can recognize it, and then we can focus on love and want to give that vibration to the hatred rather than focusing on the hatred and it dragging us down. So over a seven-year period, I went through that chest discomfort, that excruciating pain and heart palpitations to finally start to get leveled out, working on it on all five of these levels. So that's an experience of where I saw the difference or the lack of intelligence 
and that the field doesn't know the difference between a major uh, frustration and a minor frustration or a major grief. Sometimes it can be something very small or somebody that you don't know at all that activates a lot of grief release. And to be aware of all of this is just very useful in what we call emotional processing. So in that, you didn't let that define you or take over your life. You kept looking for answers and looking to process it. And I just wanted to point out that like our emotions are preventing us from finding our authentic self. Well said. So if we are on a journey to find our authentic self, we have to be able to identify what is us truly and what has been learned in this lifetime. And I just want to have some gratitude for the triggers Mm -hmm. because they are how we can find these things without actually like having to do like really in-depth work of separating. Yeah, because all these, you know, all these triggers come from us experiencing our non-authentic self or us not being fully developed enough as a young kid to understand trust or faith or not understanding why our father is treating us this way or why our mother's treating us this way. And so this is why it's called the work, is that these triggers are the recognition that you are holding on to a limited belief here. And we need to change this belief for you to reach your authentic self or your full potential. And the things that keep us from our authentic self is the training from our environment growing up and the traumas that were issued during mainly the first seven years of our lives. And then most people are stuck within those parameters throughout their whole lives. And people come to me all the time questioning why they're not happy or content. And it's because most everyone is living a very limited life. And getting to that authentic self the way through is learning to be able to separate what you have picked up and what is in your authentic design. And we have, once again, the tools of the human design and destiny card system, astrological and numerology systems to help to separate that from a mental or intelligence standpoint. And then here we're talking about the emotional, the energetic and the spiritual standpoint to avoid the physical. But see, once something gets in the physical, we still need to work on those other four levels to truly release it. So Even if you have a surgery or something, it doesn't come back down the road. So this is very deeply connected to our five levels of wellness view in this philosophy. So this is kind of related because emotions can create preferences in some instances. But would you also say that preferences are also not part of our authentic self? Because I feel like our authentic self is in a state of neutrality where we're in the polarity and not in the duality because duality is like our perspective. We're creating resistance to one choice over another. Right. And yeah, duality thinks that my way is better than your way. Polarity's thinking is, Oh, I have my way and I accept that there's got to be another way. So there doesn't have to be a war here. We can even dine together. We can talk together, but see, this is where different religions can get together and have a meal and that type of thing. There doesn't have to be a war or it can If they have a duality mindset and both are trying to convince the other one that they need to be like this or like that. And see, I don't see the color white trying to convince the color black that it needs to be white. You know, that's the beauty of the yin and yang symbol is that it shows that 
this whole area, these two colors are blended and they're in this cool shape and they're equal. So that's the view of polarity. And when we realize that, yes, these emotions are activating to help show us that we've got something that we need to release, that we need to change our perception of, and to accept that you may have to do that multiple times. You're not going to just change that one time. Like when I was going through frustration, I didn't just decide that I wasn't going to be frustrated anymore and come up and say that mantra and it's that easy. Every day there would be multiple situations to where I would realize I get to choose now whether I am going to accept the way that this is or not. And one of the biggest frustrations in our culture is time, trying to push time, trying to make things happen before it can organically and naturally, cosmically happen. See, if you get stuck in traffic and you've got a meeting and you're going to be late for that meeting, you can either accept that you're going to be late with that meeting, do your best to communicate that you're going to be late with that meeting, or you can frantically fear being late and exhaust your energy all the way up until, but see, the outcome's not going to be any different, the true physical outcome. You're still going to get there whenever you get there. But you have complete so-called control up to a very fine point at to how that time that you're stuck there affects you. And see, in that time, you can not only overcome that moment, but then you could reflect while you're just sitting there still in traffic, you could reflect on a time when you were frustrated last And then look and see, did that do me any good being frustrated? No. And then you could go to another time and visit it and say, did that do me any good? I remember when I was so stressed out about making this class or whatever. You're not beating yourself up. You're not judging yourself. You're using it to say, I need a different way of processing and looking at this. And if I do that pattern often enough, it's going to offset this trauma pattern that was created most of the time. Most of the issues we're dealing with happens between zero and seven years old. And then we spend the majority of our adult lives getting triggered. And most people don't do well with the triggers. And so, see, they perpetuate that limitation that is in them. When you were talking about the yin and the yang and how they're different colors and they're they're kind of coexisting within the circle, which is infinity, I kind of... Uh, reflected on how there's a little circle of the black inside the white and a little bit of the white inside the black where it's like there's a little bit of you and me and a Mm -hmm. little bit of me and you so we're essentially recognizing the similarities rather than focusing on the differences yes and that comes back to being able to utilize everyone around you as roles they're just playing roles for you to heal and you don't have to take it so personal And do your healing and see if the people around you don't change. That's the way that energy works. See, wherever you don't create resistance, things can't grow. So if that person is going to continue that pattern, they have to go to someone else to do that pattern. They may just be unconscious, not realizing that they're going to play this pattern for whoever needs this kind of healing. And so that's why you don't need to tell anybody that they need to change externally for you. You just change the way that they are affecting you, and it will change the way that they treat you. All right. Well, I think we can stop it there with that mic drop. This episode has been full of 
ways that people can see the the complexity of their emotions, but then also the non-intelligence and start practicing whenever they do have an emotional reaction or emotional trigger to try to alter their perspective a little bit and make it useful. Yeah, and I want to break it down to you want to release the emotion in non-judgment, and then you want to find the association, and then you want to look at the lesson of the association, and then you want to find gratitude, and that's the complete circle broke down and condensed. And once you practice that time after time, your trigger will get less and less effective towards you. And so this is physical, mental, emotional, energetic, and spiritual wellness. And so I want to thank everybody for listening and really hope that this helps in the understanding of processing emotions. And don't forget to check out the show notes. If there's any other topic that we've discussed here that you want to dive deeper, there will be lists and links of other episodes that deal with what we've discussed. So thank you all and stay tuned for our three minutes of stillness.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verities Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment it's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.